Hi, I'm Dan Boyd. I'm Kimmy Zeiler. St. Ignatius of Loyola said, Out of gratitude and love for him, Jesus Christ, we should desire to be reckoned fools. We're seeking to discover Christ in everything, from the banal to the sublime, and this is Fools, fools for, for Christ. Christ. Ba -da -da. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Yay. We have a special guest with us today. We're going to keep doing drum roll until she says her name. <laughs> Regina Boyd! Ooh, welcome! <laughs> Regina Boyd is visiting from the land of those Catholic shrinks where they talk about mental health stuff over there. So, Yeah, I was actually recently in a meeting where someone mentioned your podcast and really? said how much they enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. We're getting out there. Yes. <laughs> That's exciting. Well, thanks for having me, guys. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming all the way over. You're welcome. <laughs> So, another special thing we have going on. I brought some super healthy, well-balanced protein bars for us to try and Ooh. see which one we like. I, all right, so are we all going to try the same one at the same time? Yes. Okay. I'm so excited right now. They which look one? delicious. They Should look like let's, chocolate desserts. Let's end with the ones that we're most excited for. Do we all have like a consensus of the one that we want the most? I want them all. Oh, okay. All right, never mind, never mind. Let's go. Which one do you want yeah, the most, you Dan? Um, I think I want, like, I don't know what that one is, but it looks like it's half chocolate, half okay, caramel. Okay, we'll save that for the last. It, no, it has no caramel in it. Okay. It might be like a toffee. Perhaps that's what it is. I'm, I'm not going to tell you the title. Okay, all right. Until I will, after I'll just you leave eat it. it. How leave about it. that? Okay. Well, no, because that one in particular has an interesting flavor to it. Okay, and then let's do this, like, the one that looks like it has Rice Krispies in it first. First? Okay. Yeah. Alright. Alright. Then the one that looks like a chocolate rice krispie treat. Yeah. Okay. With a little With fudge chocolate drizzle. For it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that came up so loud, Dan. <laughs> I think that was your laughing. Oh, was it? <laughs> I tried to chew close to the microphone so you could get the nice crunch. It's very light. Chocolatey. This is called a drizzled chocolate fudge crisp. Mm. I would eat that again. It's a good one. Mm -hmm. I would eat that again, yeah. These all have chocolate, sure. so I mean, it's, it's, I'll probably say that three times. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bought them the desserty kinds. <clears throat> I thank you for bringing the dessert. Yes, thank you. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. We're going to go for this little, like, brownie-looking guy? Yes. Looks like a little Debbie brownie. Very nice display. Very neat-looking. Yeah. I'm excited about this one. Mmm. Mmm. It has, like, a bubblegum aroma. It does. There's something fruity in there. They tricked us. It's not a brownie. <laughs> it's a chocolate cherry nosh bar mm. with dried yeah. cherries, pomegranate, and chai seeds. I like it. Regina hates cherries. <laughs> oh, sorry, Regina. Artificial cherry. I will eat fresh cherries any day, but... Or, once... or like preserved cherries. Yeah, She's once we get any cherry pie onward, it's over. Mm. So... 
Okie dokie. Alas. <laughs> I'm really... Since I think I know this is not caramel. But when I smell it, it reminds me of, like, Indian curry. <laughs> That's a good guess, Dan. All right. One, two, three, go. It's very chewy. Mm-hmm. That is chewy. My brain's trying to place the flavors. It's got a Star Wars consistency. It's got a... a I'm sorry. Oh. Well. <laughs> <laughs> got it. <laughs> um, so it smelled like curry, Dan, because it was. Oh. Mm. My dark, big nose is good for something. <laughs> dark chocolate coconut curry bar with almonds and sea salt. What a fun combination for a dessert. Like... <clears throat> I don't think I would have ever thought to put curry in a dessert, but I'm enjoying it. It's good. Yeah. It is good. Thank you for bringing the balanced protein bars for dessert, Kimmy. You are so welcome. I appreciate it. I which appreciate one, you. Which one do you like the most? I think I like the the first one, the crisp. That was, I would definitely, like, if I had all three in front of me, I would eat the first, the, I would eat the other two first. And then savor the last, mm. like the crisp one, last. Yes. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose. I would eat all of them, and then I would eat the crisp. <laughs> <laughs> How about um, you, Regina? Which one did you like the most? I think I like the crisp one as well. Yes. yes. The curry one is a good second. Yeah. Close second. But you didn't like the cherry at all. No, and I, I have an unfair bias against <laughs> against cherry. So. <laughs> yeah. So I would agree on the crisp one. You like, that's your favorite yes, one? Yes, it's okay. my favorite. And it remains favorite. Yeah. But the I really liked the yeah, cherry right one. So. Yeah, it was kind of, it was fun. Like, to bite into that and get that, it was like a, a blast from the past of chewing bazooka bubblegum or something. Yes. I kind of liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, like, I thought it was fun. Totally unexpected. It was a nice little surprise. And I like <laughs> when food has surprises. Um, like, all of a sudden something spicy and you didn't realize it would be. Oh, yeah. Like, if you like spicy food, that's a wonderful... That is. You're right. It's like a rainbow in a rainstorm on a sunny day. You, like, you just, like, get a yes. tiny little bit. Boom, okay. Like, that was worth it. I Like, I'm, I'm for it. <laughs> so, the the title we have for this, this podcast <laughs> is In Defense of Self-Help Books. And I really like self-help books. Yep. And I, like... I don't think, no, I probably haven't read that many of them, but or I, don't, I don't know how many, like what the average number of self-help books is, but I just like the idea of them. Like even self-help books, I don't, I haven't read. Mm -hmm. um, so the one on cleaning that was really big like two years ago. Which one on cleaning? I'm trying to remember the name of it, but um, it was, it kind of mixed a, I think, could be wrong, um, almost like a Japanese decorating sense. Oh, yeah. Um, and the, the idea was go through ev literally everything in your house down to like the specks of lint and decide if it gave you joy. And like, let's just kind of set the whole thing aside of like, do inanimate objects give you joy? Mm -hmm. um, but whatever kind of emotion you want to ascribe to things, yeah. like have they served their purpose and do you need them still? Yeah. And it's an, 
an anti-hoarder mentality. So mm. I never read that book, but I just talked about it with people enough that I kind of started doing it. I would just go around the house and be like, Does, has this thing served its purpose in my life? Yes. So I can give it away or if it's not, if, if it's not good enough to belong to anybody else, throw it away. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I think it's like a, that to me is, that just seems, nobody I know read that book and said it was, it was a waste of their time. Like they enjoyed what they got out of it. And so it's simple. Mm-hmm. It's not super deep. And I think some self-help books are deeper, but um, I just like that. I don't know. I, I don't have any other words for than that. And I <laughs> am like, I don't feel the need to defend myself. I like self-help books. Well, and I think it's a neat idea that you can read a book and actively improve your life based on learning from this other person who has been there, done that, and found a method that works. Yeah. <clears throat> that it, you're right. That's like, what an, an encouraging thought that your life can get better when you read a book. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to like being stuck in this bad habit or this, this way of life that you're uncomfortable with for a really long time. Um, you, it's not that hard. Like it, it's the, the price of a book or the price of a trip to the library <laughs> and you get the book and then you read it and then your life's better. That's kind of cool. I like it. Um, so we actually, we wanted Regina to come on so that she could share with us her top five books that she recommends to people she works with in her therapy practice. Um, so, well, first, Regina, what do you think of self-help books? I agree with you guys. I mean, I think they're great. I think they can be really helpful. Um, I almost kind of think of them as a preventative measure in a Mm. sense um they can kind of prevent you from needing counseling (laughs) um so i i definitely think that's great i mean a lot of people can be helped without having to see a counselor and so that's kind of a nice in between so that's that's especially important because like you have a a financial motivation for wanting people to go to counseling. <laughs> like, of course, you want to help them, but you, I mean, you just said they could read these books and probably not see a counselor. Um, not all the time. I think if you find yourself reading, you know, your hundredth book and you don't notice any significant changes in your life, that right. might be a sign that you need some additional support. Yeah, um, like you're. <laughs> your pottery cat collection still continues to grow and you've read all the self-help books on that topic like yeah you probably do need professional help wait your pottery cat collection is that what you just said yeah, like if there's someone out there who has an excessive number of like <laughs> glazed cat statues um, hopefully no one's being offended right now <laughs> than yeah. one person with the pottery collection. I don't think we could find a single book on that topic, like <laughs> whether it was related to self-help or not. So I intentionally chose something um, mm-hmm. that was like very rare. Well, and part of part of what counseling is and the process of counseling is people taking charge of their own lives and finding ways that work for them to improve their own lives. And so the self-help book is a perfect way to do that, to Mm. let people take ownership and um, have control and have a say of how they want things to happen in their own life. So absolutely, I think it's a wonderful tool. So I guess in that sense, it's, I mean, it's almost like the equivalent of a membership at a gym 
or buying some exercise equipment mm -hmm. or getting a like a book on having better physical health um like how many trips to the doctor could be prevented by people yeah. like just educating themselves on how to be healthy and how many trips to the therapist could be prevented by people educating themselves on how to be mentally healthy mm -hmm. right and making sure that you're accessing legitimate resources and not just you know miss chloe's self-help book but you know like <laughs> a legitimate writer yeah a little bit of research and knowledge hopefully would be contained within the within the book <laughs> so in case in case someone's listening who's significantly younger than us <laughs> miss chloe was a tv what i forget what they even call psychic. a psychic like a fake psychic who are you, she was? She's from South she was Florida. Huge in the nineties. I don't even was. know who Miss. I thought you just wow. pulled that name no, no, out of nowhere. No, no, no. like, she was in the nineties or early two thousands. Yeah, like, I can't remember. She'd be on TV all the time. Commercials of like call Miss Chloe. Miss Cleo. Oh, Miss wow. Cleo. Yeah. That, okay, that's what it is. Yeah. So you did make up Chloe. I'm thinking Cleo. Did I say Chloe? Yeah, you said Chloe. Oh. But she oh, went wow. to jail for fraud. So she was like a oh, someone who would goodness. lie. About she it. was like, a psychic hotline, and you'd see her infomercial come up all the time. Oh saying, man. Saying call Miss Cleo for to tell your future or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Pay. You know, I didn't watch too much TV, so that's probably why. You didn't miss out. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, well, she was fraudulent. So, so these, these people are not. These people are not the Miss Cleos of the the book <clears throat> world. These are the people you've chosen. Just looking over the list, it looks like they're all <clears throat> professionals in their field. So, therapists or counselors or social workers or psychiatrists, something like that. Is that more or less accurate? For the most part, with one, with the exception of one, I believe. But yes. Okay. For the most part. So, <clears throat> and all of these, because we as Catholics need to have a well balanced life and take care of body, mind, and spirit, yeah. all of these would have an effect on your faith life. Yeah. Because when all of those things are aligned correctly, as I have been learning so mm -hmm. much this year and growing so much this year, mm -hmm. and once you're balanced, mm -hmm. everything else is affected. Absolutely. Thanks for bringing it back to like the the show's theme, Kim. Like, <laughs> um, like we don't just talk about stuff because it's random. We're like, hey, this guy I was just kind of thinking about this, but specifically because it does relate to our relationship with the Lord, and it's um, it can interfere with the work the Lord has called you to. Yes. Um, so if he you know, in your marriage, this can interfere with your spousal relationship and your relationship with children and your professional life. It can prevent you from being a good employee, a good coworker, a good supervisor, a good subordinate. Um, and in prayer as well. Like the, I remember a time in my life when I was um, like really, really scrupulous of, like I, I almost couldn't, I was neurotic about sin. Um, and this, like the smallest thing would make me feel like I couldn't receive communion and I had to go to reconciliation. Mm -hmm. um, and that was, it, like looking back, very clearly not a, a healthy approach to the spiritual life yeah yeah and I um I know we're going to get to this one but for me I got really burned out in ministry and I um was having it was having a huge impact on not only what was going on in my workplace but also um my prayer life and um and who I who I'm supposed to be who I'm called to be and so through going to counseling and reading um a self-help Book called Boundaries that we'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. I was able to put things in 
closer to a right order <laughs> right. to continue moving forward and continue growing in my relationship with God. Why don't we start with that one then? So, Regina, what, tell us a little bit about Boundaries by Dr. Is it Dr. Cloud? Dr. Cloud, Henry Cloud and Townsend. I'm forgetting his first name, but <clears throat> um, both Christian authors, um, very knowledgeable. And I think it's, in general, I would say it's a way to have healthy relationships. I would say in a nutshell, that's what the book discussed. So how can you make sure that you're creating healthy parameters around your interactions with others? Are you allowing people to take advantage um, how can you say no in a way that's polite and respectful of the relationship and still honoring the, of those relationships um, and free yourself up to not feel so enslaved to constantly having to please others or, you know, be at someone's beck and call or, mm-hmm. you know, being terrorized by someone maybe even possibly depending on the situation. So what do you think, Kimmy? The part that sticks out to me the most from when I read it was um, towards the very beginning, he uses the parable of the Good Samaritan Mm. to show how how good the relationship is there and what boundaries uh, the Good Samaritan has in helping. Mm. And that he continues going on his way Mm -hmm. and doing what he needs to do. Um, He fully helps. I mean, he's used as the example of of fully helping this... Um, this man who's um, who needs aid, but he continues doing what he needs to do mm-hmm. instead of dropping everything and um, <clears throat> and allowing that to take over his life. Right, right. And so I definitely think it's a great book for anyone in any circumstance. We all can take time to reflect on what are those areas where we might not be always taking care of ourselves. And like you said, are we balanced in our integration between mind, body, and soul? Um, And so I think it's a really great reflection for anyone. So it's almost, it sounds like it frees you or it kind of helps teach you how to free yourself from the mentality of thinking you have to be everyone or everything to everyone. Um, And that's... I recognize I just kind of paraphrased St. Paul, but, um, <laughs> but at the same time, recognizing that it like, we're not, whether it's uh, like raising children or working as a teacher or as part of a team at, at work, um, we're only responsible for a certain quantity of, uh, of, of the outcome, whether it's the outcome of someone's life. Mm-hmm. Um, like we can't force someone to make good choices, to, to choose to follow Jesus, to get good grades, to study. Or to like live to to follow their deadlines at work, um, we can just do what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next one on here is "Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway" by Susan Jeffers. Yes, and um, this is a great book um, that I read when I was in my counseling program, and it's basically about very similar to boundaries, but along the lines of assertiveness and what is it about those moments where we kind of get stuck where we're nervous and we don't really want to move forward because we're worried about how someone's going to react or we're worried we're going to not be successful in something and so 
it's a book full of tons of stories of all these people's personal examples of how they overcame that. And so it's really kind of this nice little motivational, it's just chapter after chapter of motivational story <laughs> and speech <laughs> and really reinforcing that idea of, okay, yes, we all, everyone has that moment where they feel that little bit of anxiety and fear and we have to do things anyway, despite it and mm-hmm. just do it and don't get, don't let yourself get stuck in that space. Um, so I think that's a great book. Um, Sounds like a pep talk in a book. Yeah, yeah, it's a really fun book, especially for people who might have a hard time with that. Mm-hmm. So, kind of from a, pers- a professional perspective, how does reading those motivational stories translate to your patients overcoming those those personal obstacles? Well, I think. One, what's really great about that is it helps people realize that they're not alone necessarily. Mm. I feel like that can be a huge um, unmotivator, I guess you could say, or a really a way that people really feel stuck is they're so isolated and they feel they're constantly degrading themselves and talking about reminding themselves of how they're not good at a particular thing. Um, And so when you read this book full of stories of other people going through very similar experiences to them, first of all, they realize, okay, I'm not crazy. (laughs) This is fairly normal, and a lot of people experience this. And second of all, here's examples of other people who've been where I've been and actually were able to overcome it and do something Mm -hmm. about it. And so I feel like that, that in and of itself takes a huge load off of that burden of responsibility and can move someone to that point where they can step into actualizing some of those behaviors. Yeah. So that you have another one on your list with a similar title, The Dance of Fear by Harriet Lerner. Yes, The Dance of Fear is very similar. I'd say it's more talking about anxiety um, than assertiveness, but um, very similar. And she has several books, The Dance of Anger, The Dance of whatever it might guilt um, and so I would say just look her up and if there's some type of emotion that you connect with pick up her book because again very similar she outlines um, stages of anxiety in the dance of fear and again how to differentiate and she shares more stories of how she works with people how she helped people to overcome certain things so it's more from the therapist's perspective, but I think still very helpful. And it's some of the same reasons for why I feel the fear and do it anyway is helpful. One thing that came to my mind as you said that, of that she lists the stage of the stages of anxiety. I was speaking with a friend recently who told me that he or she realized that they were experiencing anxiety. Um, I say he or she to, to kind of veil their, uh, who they are um, for their privacy, but um, he or she realized they were experiencing anxiety because they had gone to a mental health professional and been told that, but they didn't realize that was what was going on in their life. They thought Mm -hmm. that was just, like, that was how everybody felt. That was baseline. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was only after kind of, like, finding professional help that they were able to see, no, this is not a normal level of stress. Mm -hmm. And, like, this emotion that you have is called anxiety. And... This person has found a lot more peace since they've been able to recognize it and 
kind of move forward. Because then you can start to practice things that help you to better right. cope with anxiety. Yeah, mm-hmm. once recognizing. Yeah, it kind of it made me worry. Like I don't think I have anxiety, but when they said they had anxiety and they didn't know it, I thought like, oh man, do I have that too? <laughs> <laughs> I need to go talk to someone. (laughs) Well, and I love the title that she calls them all the dance with. Yeah. Because that kind of insinuates it's not going to all be uh, a breeze. It's not going to all be um, positive. There's going to be a little give and take, and it's sticking it out for the long run. Right. Through the twists and turns. Yeah. And what I like about the title, too, The Dance of Fear, it implies that, you know, The person struggling is not associated with the issue, but mm. it's personified that fear kind of comes in and does this does its thing. Yeah. The ebb and flow and the dance. And so how do you how do you dance back and get around it as opposed to, you know, you're someone with anxiety and you have all these problems, right? So And then that creates a dance instead of it you know like then it's not a whole like I need to overcome this so this isn't a part of my life anymore it's more Mm -hmm. of how do I respond to this so that it becomes Mm -hmm. something beautiful in my life exactly very nice it allows the the emotions to serve their purpose you Mm -hmm. can harness them and recognize what they're for Mm -hmm. you you should have a certain amount of fear of things like cobras and (laughs) right snakes snakes make me anxious (laughs) because I don't want to get bit cockroaches make me anxious Oh, goodness, yes. So the next one, this is, my guess is this is the one that the most people have heard of, and that is The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. Um, yes. But So what's the, um, what's the benefit? Actually, you know what, I won't, I won't like force your hand. Why do you, like, <laughs> why do you, why do you recommend that people read this? I really love recommending this book to couples in particular, but, um, Gary Chapman has written several variations, you know, love languages for families, for parents, for kids, for singles, you know, any state of life, you can find the book that applies to you. Um, But what I love about it is, you know, he has this theory that we all have, there's five languages of love. Mm -hmm. So for those who don't know, physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service and gifts gifts thank you (laughs) um and he basically says that you have a certain language that you like to receive love in you have kind of your main love language and then learning what others love languages are in your life so as if you were traveling to another country like if i'm going to saudi arabia tomorrow i might need to brush up on my arabic yeah to learn to get around and so you're traveling to the world of your family member or your partner your spouse whoever and you have to jump go across that bridge and learn to speak their language and we often speak in the way we like to receive, but that might not be helpful to the people in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really fun read. It's a light read. It's easy. um, And you can find out what your love language is, take a quiz in the back, learn how to communicate (laughs) to other people. So I love recommending it to couples and families because it's just a fun way to get people interacting in a different way, in a more healthy way, a more positive way, without being so clinical and academic about it. We have, so Regina and I have personally read this, and I think it really helped us just to understand how to, 
how to communicate love and make the other feel more loved because we don't have the same love languages. Mm-hmm. It makes you more aware of, just makes it an easy, puts it in an easy framework of how to think about someone else mm-hmm. as opposed to making it this big overwhelming, I don't understand you. And, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, it's five categories. That's all you have to know. <laughs> And I, once I heard about this, I went home and talked to my parents about it mm-hmm. and found out what my dad's love language was. And that like changed things for me of mm. like recognizing when he and I are talking about all the logistics of car payments or whatever it is, that that's actually his way of loving me. Mm-hmm. And like, it was an, a really awesome switch of, um, he shows it in a different way than what I was anticipating. Yeah. Right, exactly. It can really change the dynamics of a relationship because something that might have been frustrating at one point, now you realize, oh, that person is doing something out of love for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So my, I, I uh, kind of noticed something similar about my dad and that his love language is kind of a mix of acts of service and quality time. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I really want to give my dad... kind of like a a fun day for him I will do projects around the the little farm they have with him Um, and he it's almost like he delights in in going slow and being deliberate with things and I'm a little more impatient so sometimes (laughs) I'll I'll have to fight the urge to kind of stomp my foot uh, or tap my foot and be like okay let's go (laughs) Um, but that like he's really deeply enjoying it Mm. Um, so at the end of the day I'm, I'm happy that I'm able to recognize like this is affirming for him. That's well, awesome. We've kind of run up against our, our time limit, so we can't get into the fifth book. But it's the exceptional seven percent by Greg Popcheck, um, and actually I've read this book too, so I I can I'll jump in for Regina and say what it's about. <laughs> but um, the idea is even though fifty uh, percent of marriages don't end in divorce, that doesn't mean that all of those marriages are happy. Uh, and Dr. Popchek makes the claim that only 7% of all marriages are exceptionally happy. And he kind of outlines how to get there. Um, so Sounds like an awesome book. Yeah, I highly book. recommend it. I loved it. It's a very so. good Sounds book. like an exceptional book. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're out of time. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time. Have a good one.